and welcome back to the Line of Vienna Suite Podcast, episode 128. My name is Will Jones, and joining me tonight, as ever, it's Mr. Tom Jenkins. Hello, Tom. Hello, Will. I'm much happier to be in a different part of the world to you rather than face-to-face than I was for the last podcast, I'll tell oh, you that. Oh, absolutely. I'm missing you already. <laughs> <laughs> and also on tonight is another familiar face that we saw last week as well. It's Mr. Eddie Skelly. Hello, Eddie. Hi, Will. Uh, nice to be back on. I think this is three in a row for the first time ever. So, oh, it's yeah, great. No, it's nice to have you on as a regular pundit. Much nicer now I don't have to see your ugly mug, but, you know. It's, it's very uh, topical as well that Eddie would be on three in a row. Oh, three in a row. I like that segment. We'll come to that later on. But anyway, uh, to, to sort of get going, um, I think we, we were pretty jubilant the last time we spoke, weren't we? We were coming off the back of our first win of the season. Over over Bristol Rovers and then uh, and then we're going into Lincoln I think uh, to see if we could carry that on and then of course that was postponed. Uh, Doncaster won't be happy about that. Uh, then it was the the win over City Kids, uh, a gritty win against Fleetwood. Uh, and I mean I don't know about you guys, but um, I'd say that was a fairly uneventful afternoon. But um, anyway, but most uh, most sort of more importantly and prominently uh, was bowing out of the FA Cup at the hands of Plymouth yesterday. And uh, yes, Tom, I am going to mention it. Chichester City, my uni team, have now progressed further than us, which is quite embarrassing. But that is the last I will say of it, which you'll be pleased to hear. Um, I mean, we'll go back through chronologically what we've missed over the last couple of weeks. Um, just really because Chris Manning's asked us to. Definitely not just because that's what we always do when there's not a guest on. But yeah, promise. Um, anyway, so the, I think the first thing that we'll sort of come to on that, um, as you sort of said, uh, very relevant to Tom at the very beginning, three in a row. It's all very topical, isn't it? It started off with Bristol Rovers, then there was a uh, Man City. Wonder what happened with Man City? Well, we managed to get, a, get ourselves a good win uh, at the cost of Ali Crawford, the poor lads, and you know, obviously we all wish him a very, very speedy recovery. Um, it seems as though it's not necessarily as bad a knee injury. As uh, as first feared, but you know, a three-one win is always good. First time we've scored three at home for God knows when. Eddie will Eddie will tell me. Well, probably since the Notts Forest game. <laughs> am I correct in saying yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. First time we've scored three since Notts Forest. It's the first time we've scored more than two since Walsall in the cup in January. The encyclopedia oh, report one just knowledge right there for you, ladies and gentlemen. I know exactly. <laughs> I, I I say I'm up. Eddie knocks them down. We like to have a little bit of, uh, a little bit of uh, co-op. In this uh, in this uh, podcast, but no, it was a fantastic performance by all accounts. Chris O'Grady, Thierry Henry, getting himself a couple of goals, um, which he carried on to the Fleetwood game. So all very positive, with the exception of the injury. Definitely, and I think one more thing I, I might bring up with that just before we move on, or, or at least I come to Eddie on it, um, was the fact that James Weir he uh, he started the game, didn't he? And then uh, all of a sudden he was brought off for for, for yeah. no apparent reason. Yeah, he started, and he was uh, subbed off after thirty-five minutes. I think. He'd assisted Crawford's goal for the opener and then had a couple of sloppy passes and maybe lost possession once or twice. And, you know, as Keith Phil's come out and said after the game and, in, you know, more recent comments, if he feels like a player's not contributing enough and embarrassing his family, like he said, his wife and his son were there and, you know, uh, not upholding the standards that he set, you know, he's not afraid to sub him off. And then, we, as we saw in the Fleetwood game, which we'll get onto later, you know, he's not afraid to take off a player who he's brought on as a substitute. No, absolutely. I think that's the mentality he's sort of implementing, isn't it? Really, you know, he's ensuring that people actually want to want to play for the club, want to play for the shirt, and you know, if they're not prepared to do that, then he'll drag him off, and he'll he'll, he'll prove that point in doing so. And it's, I think, it's fair enough because it, if you had. 
you know, a, a load of time wasters who were just interested in, in sort of just being there, getting the minutes, getting the paycheck and buggering off, then, you know, I don't think we'd be anywhere near as enthusiastic as we are now. Uh, you know, and it's great to see Keith, well, you know, in reality taking no shit at this point. Um, you know, and, it, and it's sort of really good to hear because although it's been a bit controversial in terms of what he said in his presses and, and whether or not people agree with it, I, I, I strongly agree with that, actually. What, what's your reckon of it, Tom? Oh, I, I wrote my article about uh, about Weir and the, the comments and post-match interviews and how, you know, it, it was almost reminiscent to me of what Phil Parkinson did uh, last season when he was talking about Yannick Wiltshire and Josh Feller basically killing their confidence before they even got out onto the pitch and almost cutting his nose off to, to spite his face basically getting two players who could have been really useful for us um, off the pitch and not wanted to come back on it. Um, he's tried it with Zuma and it seems to have worked, you know, but obviously you, you get different personalities in a football team, you get different uh, ways of reacting to criticism and I don't think it's necessarily <laughs> the way to get the best out of Weir, um, but it seems to have worked for Zuma. So, you know, if, if it's his management style and it in the main seems to work, then I'm all for it. It's early days, but I think he needs to be a bit more careful than to start saying, as Eddie said, you know, Weir's embarrassing my family by not playing particularly well. I think those are quite strong words. It's a bit extreme, though, isn't it? It's, uh, it? it's just one of those that I think he's just getting a bit carried away and he, he just wants to see his players do well, I guess. But it's, I think that's perhaps putting a bit too much pressure on the kid because I don't think he even had that particularly bad game, did he? I think he provided the first assist for the first goal that night. Um, you know, and he, he was sort of just ticking along nicely. Um, so it, 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 it's you know it's a bit strange, and he obviously hasn't featured again since, as as we know. Um, you know, like you said, it's great. It's improved Zuma partially as a player. Um, you know, and it's just a shame that perhaps it hasn't quite had the same effect on on Weir. But um, you know, that remains to be seen as to whether he'll be brought back in at some point. Eddie, what 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 did you make of that? <laughs> I, I think it's difficult, really. Like um, you know, if it's something he's done throughout his career, Keith, you know, to try and encourage players to improve and you know, give them that motivation, then that's fair enough. But, you know, it could be, you know, beneficial to do it on more of a player-to-player basis. You know, as Tom said, it kind of works for Zuma. He had those initial iffy periods and then, you know, he, he came and had a, a couple of fantastic games recently. So, you know, maybe it's, it's, you know, like Tom said, you know, it just depends on the player and, you know, the situation. Uh, but if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's one that's always going to split opinion, really, and and it's uh, it's just going to be one of those things where we will just have to see how many how many other players it impacts. Because I, I noticed that he'd actually uh, done the same thing with uh, with Dennis Politic as well. I think that was at the Fleetwood game, um, whereby he, he, he dragged him off. Um, you know, having having only just been bought on, but um, obviously he's, he has featured since. So it's it's perhaps just you know testing the waters and seeing how how, how it does impact different players, but. Um, nevertheless, it seemed to work, didn't it? We got the result at the end of the night. Obviously, I think we tried to play City at their own game, didn't they, really? I mean, Eddie, yeah, I was there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you saw that City were still playing out from the back and we were knocking it about quite nicely as well. Um, you know, did, did you think that's a style of play that, that Key's trying to implement and perhaps copy in a way, you know, in, in the style of Pep Guardiola? Well, yeah, we know, we all know how, you know, the big impact Pep's had on, football, on the English football completely. Um but their, their, their academy team were definitely playing like the first team. You know, they've got that implementation all throughout City's uh, academies. And it was it's certainly a style of football that Keith Hill's been using for 12-plus years. You know, Rochdale were a, a very good team to watch, especially, you know, in their strong periods in League One under under his uh, his management. And, uh, you know, if, if we, you know, can 
use it effectively in a game because you know if, as you saw against Fleetwood, it was maybe a more uh, long ball kind of game. You know, he's changed it up a bit to try and get that win. Uh, if we if we can play, you know, more attractive football, you know, more people might come to watch, and you know, it, it's always nice to watch your team play attractively if it's going to produce results. Yeah, no, definitely. I, th- I think that's a fair argument. That, and, you know, he's obviously willing to adapt where necessary. And uh, and obviously, he's also, you know, not afraid to, to change it up when, when he has to. And, you know, although you could perhaps argue that he doesn't quite have the luxury to do that, given that the, the squad's looking a little bit bare at the minute. Um, Tom, do you, do you sort of agree with that and think that it's it seems to be a fairly confident style of football that we're playing, doesn't it, really? And, and it's a massive change from some sort of the football we're playing under Phil Parkinson. It was very clear from the outset that we were trying to, you know, get away from that long ball style. I mean, obviously, there is still uh, going to be limitations to it. We're not a Premier League team who's capable of passing out of the back, you know, like Man City, like like Liverpool, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But, you know, that there is at least that effort to look for a pass on the ground or something before going for the hoof. And it's very refreshing to see. I think a lot of the criticism that was levelled at Phil Parkinson was obviously due to his style of play, despite him getting results a lot of the time, especially at this level. But I think if had he stayed and fans were treated to yet more dire football that if we weren't winning games was really, really awful to watch. I, th- I think you know it would have impacted on season ticket sales. The mood around the club wouldn't be as positive as it is, as it is at the moment. And uh, I think Keith has, has sort of read the room quite well in, in implementing a style that the fans can get behind. And also that the players seem to be getting on board with as well. There's a lot of the new signings that he brought in. They, they were cherry-picked almost to be able to play that style. You know, Josh Emmanuel, a good footballer who's at right back. Uh, Adam Chickson, exactly the same. Uh, and even Zuma, I think you can tell that it's more his style to be trying to play it out from the back rather than hoofing it up the pitch. And I think from that standpoint, it sort of makes sense. But obviously, it's a results business. And, you know, in the last few weeks, we have seen an upturn in results and we're going to need that to be able to survive. And if you play nice football, I think that's obviously fantastic. But I'd soon, I'd still be taking one nils coming off a defender's arse and getting us, getting us the victory over us playing, you know, lovely one-two football at the back, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But at least it's been more exciting to see this season certainly than over the last two years. Definitely, yeah, and I, I think that particularly the city one sort of stood out for me in that respect, and in, in how different the, the the playing style actually is. Um, and it's great to see that obviously that came off and it started to create a bit of a run for us there. Um, you know, and in terms of actually being able to to sort of have something to show for it is great to an extent in terms of getting the the win but in terms of sort of how well that that went um and and, and how well the foot the football sort of came across um in the eyes of the fans i think it was slightly less obvious in the fleetwood game i think that was much more of a gritty you know determined performance against uh against bitter uh joey barton's men um you know it, it, it was a great result in the end but obviously it, it went right down to the wire didn't it um should we talk about the game first or should we talk about what happened before that i think we're going to go for what happened before tom you met one of your childhood heroes <laughs> we did. spoke to him for his name was james jarvis <laughs> <laughs> we spoke to him for nearly an hour he's a great boy james um and, but anyway I, I, what sort of an experience was that for you really tell tell sort of everyone what what was that like to be involved in um i mean i first met in inverted commas kevin davis when i in well it was in 2010 i think so i would have been either 10 or 11 and the photo that i've got from that day makes me look absolutely awful so it was nice to be able to have a chat with him not looking you know terrible uh and also being able to 
go into detail about stuff that you know you always think about you always wonder how they're going to respond to certain questions and being able to actually know the answer for real sat you know right next to a guy who I've watched play for my team year upon year upon year had on the back of the shirt for years you know it, it was it was just incredible a complete surreal experience to be honest I think um you know he, he was uh he, he was sort of surprised when we met him in the in the lobby because Ed said hello to him and he turned around thinking that we were just uh, fans in the in, <laughs> in the reception didn't realize that it was actually us that we were going to we were going to interview because uh, he was up with what he asked at the reception didn't he is I'm looking for an Eddie Skelly <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's us mate yeah, that, uh, that but you know uh, just amazing to be honest I think all of us will say that you know it sat in that interview uh, being able to talk to him is a real privilege and uh, it, it's always nice when you meet your heroes uh, and they you know live up to your expectations a lot of the time they, you can be let down but you know uh, he was really really kind really really generous with his time articulate and you know ju- just fantastic and really fantastic for the site as well and I hope people enjoyed listening to it. Absolutely and you can find that online now obviously we had a few technical issues with it to begin with um, along with a particular advert which you may have noticed um, obviously, we're we're providing uh, that small club in Manchester with all the help that they that they that they, they need right now. Um, you know, so obviously, um, you know, best wishes to them, and hopefully they they get it sorted. But um, on a, on a more lighter note, Eddie, um, you know, they say never meet your heroes. They're absolutely wrong, aren't they? Really? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he was uh, really terrific. He he gave us more time than uh, we'd requested as well, which is great. And you know, just to. Chat with him and relive some uh, fantastic days. You know, with the club was uh, brilliant. No, absolutely, I go along with that. And you know, obviously, we, we've got Kevin to thank for that. And you know, we're, we're extremely grateful for it. And hopefully, we can get him back on at some point. Um, but yeah, going into the actual game, obviously that, that we then went and watched. Uh, following that, Eddie, you also sat with me for that. What was your take on the game? Uh, it was. It was. I think it was really open until we scored. Really, maybe you know, you could argue Fleetwood had had the the better of the chances early on and we kind of, you know, weren't in the game at all and, you know, it was a, a bit of fortune that handed us the lead really but it, uh, that's the kind of tenacity that keeps uh, Keefield's brought to our style of play in, in recent weeks, you know, Chris O'Grady like running and after everything and, you know, he was lucky enough to be right in front of the goalkeeper as he tried to clear the ball after a couple of uh, poor passes from Fleetwood's defence and we, uh, you know, we, we took advantage and took the lead with that and then, Couple of minutes later, you know, it was a, an absolutely brilliant goal to give us that uh, two-goal advantage. And uh, from there, you know, I think we controlled the game and should have gone further ahead. You know, Dennis Politic almost scored, and you know, it was a fantastic save by the goalkeeper. But uh, they got given Yeah, the referee certainly didn't think so. Um, and then, you know, they got a lucky bounce, and you know, it was a a half decent finish, you know, maybe Remy Arthus could have done better in another day, but you know, we stuck in and, and you know, got the win, which is the the most important thing. Absolutely, yeah, you know, I I was absolutely thrilled with the performance, especially, you know, seeing um, you know, Barton and uh, and Clint Hill getting so lively on the touchline, it was nice to get one over on them really. Um, you know, and obviously pleased with the performance and I mean Thierry on Ray Tom, is he is he our new talisman? I mean, he's certainly putting in a shift at the moment. Uh, it was it was really impressive the goal that he scored. You know, obviously put us on a plate for him by a very a very poor pass from Suter, but you, that's the kind of thing that you'd see a lot of players bottle. A lot of players, mm. you know, let the keeper get there first and not really put their body on the line. But this is a man with a hell of a lot of games at this level. 
uh, a lot of goals as well, knows how to sniff out um, a chance. And he took it very, very well. But, you know, when you're talking about goals being taken well, Daryl Murphy, absolutely fantastic. You know, for a 36-year-old man, great turn of pace to be able to get him behind. Lovely feet. We all thought that he'd bottled there one stage. Um, <laughs> but still managing to, to finish it off. And it, it was it was really, really great. And Eddie's absolutely spot on. I've seen a lot of people reporting in the aftermath of this game about how uh, in the second half it was more, you know, Fleetwood dominant. I, I completely disagree. I think up until sort of like the, the last 10 minutes or so, just before they scored or just after they scored, we, we were still look, pressing, looking for more goals in that game. O'Grady's had a great shot saved by Cairns. Politic obviously had his shot saved. Um, Dodu still looked a threat. I, 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 I thought we were relatively comfortable up until uh, up until the goal went in from Morris. Um, but you know, Remy Matthews. I think Eddie's right. He probably could have done better with uh, with that shot. It looked like it sort of trickled in rather mm. than was you know had an awful lot of power on it. But I'll, I'll let him off with a save in the last seconds. Um, very, 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 very calm. You know, waiting for the ball to drop, be able to catch it just to. You know, make sure that we were guiding us home, and you know, and a lot of the players have been saying that a few weeks back we'd have lost that game or we'd have drawn that game, holding on for the win against the side in the top six. Very, very impressive. No, definitely, and like you were saying with Daryl Murphy, then just to go back to that, I think it that was excellent. You know, a really well taken goal, and although you know, sort of O'Grady grabbed the headlines, you know, that that bit of experience in class. You know, to, to have the, the composure to do that, go around the keeper and slot it in, you know. And I'm, I'm sure that'll, that'll do his confidence, uh, you know, a, a world of good uh, to keep that run going. So obviously he scored at Bristol Rovers as well and, and hopefully it'll become more of a regular thing now. Um, but yeah, like you say, it was a really good performance all around, I felt. Um, I mean, I felt like I had about 47 heart attacks in, in stoppage time. Uh, and I was absolutely convinced based on, you know, how we've how we've managed to handle, you know, one goal leads in, in, in recent years. You know, as to whether or not we'd be able to hold on, you know, and it was so relieving to see Remy's, you know, waiting hand for that ball at the end, at the very end. You know, it was, it, it was just so so nice to to see that that change because uh, we're so used to seeing them ripple in the back of the net, and you know, your your, your day and your weekend being ruined. But it's uh, you know, it's a fantastic one, and Eddie, I'm I'm sure you'll back me up there and and saying I was fairly chuffed with that. I'm um, having seen my reaction at full time. It was a, yeah, you practically uh, leaped on me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I was just more happy that we got one over on uh, on Barton and, and Hill, given how how, uh, how vocal they've been towards our own staff and and the players and what have you. And I think that you know the the lads deserved it as well. They put in a really great performance and uh, and hopefully you know that that will continue or at least at least we hoped it would. Um, obviously, then going into into Plymouth, which uh, which was yesterday at the time of recording. Um, but obviously, just before that, we've, we've got a, an away game coming up, which which went on sale uh, just following that Fleetwood game, and it's just the small matter of Akron's and Stanley. Uh, quite they were there. The small, exactly. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I, I think that that just summarises um, how loyal our fans aren't they? Really, you know, just that ticket release of it just going out to season ticket holders, you know, and it, and it going within what was it, twenty six hours, something like that. Just absolutely incredible. Um, obviously massively looking forward to that and then managed to get another allocation somehow just through begging and pleading and sold that out within a few hours as well so that would be a, a fantastic occasion but obviously going back to, to, to Plymouth yesterday um, Eddie, we, you weren't there, Tom? I, ma- I managed to catch you on the dodgy box I- I'll have to thank Manning for get, get, giving me a lot of opportunity <laughs> to watch Bolton Wanderers abroad fantastic. Thank you very much, Chris Yep, there you go, what was your take on the game then? Uh very flat, I think. Opening fifteen minutes, I thought I thought we had a few decent chances. Um, Joe Dodi had a, had a, had a volley. Uh, 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, that just went wide. Um, but it was sort of this, when they scored their goal, there was very, very little that we offered after that. And it, I think it was a very flat performance. I'm not entirely sure why it was so flat. You know, basically the same team, uh, with the exception of Valinden, Sonny Graham came in. I thought he actually did quite well. Um, but, you know, pushed the pushed their Grady out to the left. Uh, where he played in the Bristol Rovers game, and he did well in that game, but not so much in this one. Uh, it, it was a very odd, odd performance. I don't, I don't really understand why. When you've got the same team out that you're playing a lower league opposition, and there's an opportunity, certainly in our case, to be able to get a more juicy tie in the next round, get a bit more cash in in the coffers, why you wouldn't take it a bit more seriously? Because it was almost like Plymouth scored, and that was it. We were, we were very, very happy with, with to take our one 0 loss and just. You know, wait, wait until uh, the game next week. It, it, it was an, a strange one, but uh, you know we can't be too disappointed. It's the FA Cup. It's not the league. We really need to focus on survival. Um, the the cup, cup competition that we can, you know, actually do something in is the uh, the Mickey Mouse Cup. But I hope we do now that we've uh, sort of bottled our chance at a reasonable cup run. No, absolutely. Yeah, I think it was a weird one set at the very least. You know, I filled in the same team. Uh, you know, you'd expect them to go in with the same sort of run of form and, and confidence and, and sort of expected to win almost. You know, I don't think it was in the script that, that Plymouth managed to grab that goal, you know, fairly early on. And, and that was sort of the end of it because I don't think we seemed to even look, you know, as if we had any urgency following that. And it it, it, it shocked me because I think had there been, you know, the, the, the changes, you know, ringed beforehand, you know, it would have been more understandable to have not had quite the same team performance. But... You know, to feel the same ones and risk having injuries there as well, because I know obviously the cup isn't our priority, like you said, Tom. It's it's the league more than anything, um, and you know, fair enough if if that's what we decided on. You know, come come half time or whatever, then then fair enough. But you'd have thought that you just wouldn't have started that team if that was the case. Um, you know, but the, it, the it, thing is, what 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 I didn't really understand about it was if you you want to start the same team and as you say that makes you think that you're going to go for it, but the only explanation I can give for the poor performance is the fact that the players were quite comfortable mm-hmm. as in you know they know that they're going to be the ones who start against the MK Dons in a week's time why, why not put someone in like like Weir or Hall and obviously Hall end up doing his hamstring you know the poor lad can't catch a break but you know had he started maybe that wouldn't have happened but the thing is if you put these guys in 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 the cup competition maybe you might have seen a bit more desire players desperate you know more keen to get into into the into the side rather than the people who know they're going to be starting next week. I, I, I don't know. It, it was an odd team selection that could have backfired massively if, if you know, more serious players like Murphy or, or O'Grady or Lowe, for example, had got themselves injured. Um, thankfully, they didn't. But, you know, Connor Hall won't be feeling that way, having having done his hamstring. No, I really feel for that because it, it's... I expected him to start, I think, as, you know, I think a lot of Bolton fans would have given the occasion, you know, and it's a shame that he, that he didn't. And, you know, it's obviously sort of not his fault that he's pulled his hamstring there and I think the fact that Hill perhaps hadn't given him more game time was, was partially to blame for that you know he hasn't managed to sort of stretch his legs a little bit Absolutely. and show us what he can do it's it's a shame and I think he'll just be as gutted about his injury as he will be about you know not having the game time to prove what he can do because um, I think if anything you know that that's sort of the first impression he's been able to make under the new manager and 
it's it's not exactly helped him, has it? And it, it's through no fault of his own either. So um, obviously a speedy recovery to him, and and obviously to to uh, Ali Crawford as well. Um, you know, obviously we've lost a couple of good, uh, good you know, young sparks there, and it's a uh, it's a shame that that we've lost them. You know, when, when I think. I mean, Tom, you'll you'll definitely argue this. I'll I'll let, I'll let you sort of run free on this. That it's they it, it, both have avoidable, weren't they? Really? I mean, uh, the Crawford one, uh, definitely. I mean, I would I would in that in that game we've won it. Fair enough. It's an opportunity to to go a bit further in the competition, and perhaps if we'd have played a weakened team, we wouldn't have beaten Man City. You know, they deserve to be respected, even with um, the fact that they chopped and changed their team, but because they'd beaten Bradford and Rochdale previously. But when I think. It's such a specialised position that number ten role, and even though O'Grady did a did a good job in the Fleetwood game playing there, he's not going to be able to play there week in week out like Crawford can, or offer the same kind of dead ball accuracy that Crawford can. Um, he, he was just such a key player for us in 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 the last month or so, and at three one, anyone who I think would be difficult to replace, I'd immediately take off. I appreciate that Hill has this sort of weird thing with substitutions, but the weird thing with substitutions is in that game, you then take Weir off before half-time. That's one substitute gone. If if you can save them for a bit later, then you have the option to be able to take off your more key players who are going to be starting for you at the weekend. So that one, massively preventable. I think with Connor Hall, I think you've hit the nail on the head. The lad's just not been playing football and then gets thrust into a situation where we're pressing for a goal. It was a Eastern physical game front. as well, wasn't it, really? You know, he got roughed about immediately as soon as he came on. That obviously hadn't helped. Um, yeah, exactly. But, but hamstring is a telltale lack of match fitness injury. You know, you're, only get, you're only getting that in that situation. Yeah. No, it, it's weird how he has this thing with substitutes because it's, you know, that, 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 that was the other thing, Tom, because when Connor Hall came off, we had no substitutes left. I mean, does he commit too early to it? You know, with the substitution, I, just, I, just, I don't understand this because he doesn't have the luxury to take the player off after half an hour. I don't care if he's if he's not, you know, up, up to his usual standard. He's better than not having anyone left at the end of the game when you've got injuries coming, suspensions, and and whatever else. You know, we're we're not we don't have a, a squad of that caliber and size to to do that. I don't think, but. It's a shame because you then you know leaving yourself in a situation. Or, all right, it was a few seconds at the end of the game yesterday, but you know had it been seventy minutes or whatever when he brought him on and that had happened, what would he have done? Play with ten and then potentially conceded another two or three. I mean the game was lost at that point anyway. But even so, I think the point still stands in that it's it's a little bit over dramatic. I think to be taking these players off for you know little to to no reason really. And you know when you've got the serious issues of, of injuries lying about, it's that's something you, you've got to focus on more, I think, uh, and you've got to be sort of more wise with your substitutions. And I think, I mean, perhaps I'm wrong. I, do you think Hill would be the first to admit that? I don't, I don't know. I don't understand what his his obsessiveness is with this substitution thing. Um, but you know, it, it'd be interesting to see who else falls victim to it. As I said earlier, I'm just hoping that politics doesn't fall into the same bracket. You know, he's he's in danger of doing that. Um, you know, because I think in the Last few games he's come on, he hasn't really done anything particularly uh, magic, um, and obviously he's not really had the game time either. So it's, I mean, Tom, would you mind losing Polity? I, I just could. Could you figure out if you're Keith Hill, if you're stead there on the sidelines, why are you taking that player off after half an hour? Like, what is the real reason for that? To make a point, I, I think a lot of what he does is pointed, um, and I'll be interested to see if Eddie agrees with me on this. I think people talk about the fact that he talks too much, and 
there is an argument for that. There is an argument against it. Uh, because it's clearly his way of motivating people. It's clearly this persona that he plays and the players buy into it and fantastic will reap the rewards of it. So clearly part of that persona is I'm not going to take any kind of crap performance from you and the way I'm going to show you that I think you're playing crap is I'm going to take you off early. The problem is I think a lot of it is quite headstrong and a lot of it's, you know, again, cutting your nose off to spite your face. And we've suffered, I think... Basically, he's gone on about how we've been unlucky with all these injuries. And I think there is definitely an argument to be made that maybe you make your own luck in preventing them. And I don't think Hill has utilised all the options available to him to stop us from getting these kind of injuries. Playing the same team week in, week out, uh, making these early changes. I think it's probably the reason why a lot of our players have sort of fallen foul to these kind of muscular injuries. Um, You can't legislate for some of them. The Bridcart one, uh, the Buckley one. Uh, you know, all of the, the, those two just seem to be free. It's a long accident. injury list, isn't it? But, but it is, isn't it? it? That, that's the thing. And, and, and while people would say they didn't have a pre-season, they're bound to pick, be picking up injuries, there's ways that you can go about trying to prevent that. Yeah, I, no, I, don't, I, I don't think he's utilised the young squad as much as he could have done to be able to take the pressure off the new people that came in without a pre-season. No, absolutely. And I think we'll come to that in the Twitter questions in a second, with, uh, with particularly with Sonny Graham, because obviously he's been thrown in at the deep end a bit, and he's sort of one of the last survivors of, of that U team that are still making regular appearances. And all right, it's in the absence of, uh, of this regular starter, such as as, as Brickcut and, and so on, and, and Crawford now, obviously. But it's, it, it, it's strange because he's obviously... I, th- I think the managers both really like him. I think Flickhoff particularly, I saw him when he came off, he gave him a huge hug and, you know, he's obviously got massive belief in him. And I think, all right, you know, you, you're expanding your options, but I think perhaps you've got a couple of other players that could potentially fill the void there, such as Politic. And I know he's only young as well, but, you know, they're, they're your regular starters and I'm not sure whether we were without Valinden for, for injury reasons or cup tie or whatever it was, but it just seems a bit odd in terms of what he's basing his team selections on. It, it's a mystery, really. Um, you know, it, it, it'd just be fascinating, I think, to sort of see what what point he's sort of trying to prove with that. Um, and I think, you know, time will tell with that, but we'll just have to see. Um, so, obviously, we, we, we lost there to, to Plymouth in the cup, which, which it's not the end of the day, let's be honest. Uh, the end of the world, sorry. Um, but then we've got MK Dons coming up in the league. Uh, obviously, it's the priority more than anything else. You know, should we be expecting a win there, or do you think you know we perhaps could come unstuck, Eddie? I'll come to you on that. I think yeah, it's the perfect chance to bounce back from the Plymouth game. You know, MK Dons are a team who've been struggling this season. Um, it's certainly you know the next three games we've got are certainly games that you'd be looking at and thinking we need to win these games if you know we have any chance of staying in the division. Points deduction and you know impending or not, you know Dons are a team who you know. Have struggled away from home as well, and you know any chance we've got at home to carry on the form we have in the league, you know we need to take it and need to take those three points. Absolutely, Tom. What's your prediction for that one? I think we should be going into it confident of a win. Um, I, I know we've got a new new manager in charge. Uh, again, Eddie Eddie will will probably help me out with who who that is. It, it rang a bell. Is it Russell Martin? Is that who? Is that the uh, yeah, it is the the ex uh, next Norwich defender. Yeah, yeah. I th- I th- sorry, I, I was think I was thinking I, I thought it was him. Um, but no, you know, there's always the possibility of a new manager bounce um, after they sacked Tisdale, a manager who I rate. Um, I, know, I know that James doesn't, um, but <laughs> you know, did a very very good uh, job at Exeter, um, and obviously got MK Dons promoted, but you know, didn't work out for him this season. Um, so that's the only thing I think we should be really worrying about. I think 
MK Dons are the kind of side that if we're going to stay in this division, you've got to beat. Uh, they're towards the bottom of the league. They've not got the best squad on paper. I think, you know, they lost um, one of the tar- our targets from last season, Chucks and EK in the summer. And that, that's a big loss to Phil from midfield and the goals that he scored. Um, and I, I back our defence to be able to keep, you know, their more dangerous players uh, quiet, like uh, Healy and Agard. So, yeah, I think we should be looking to win that game. Um, but you never know. If, if Are we going to fall asleep like we did yesterday? We'll, we'll see. I know, we will, we will. Um, but yeah, I, I think we've sort of covered everything in terms of, of, of game topics and fixtures and what have you and, and sort of everything in the world of uh, ball launchers in that respect that we had planned. Um, so we'll sort of come to the Twitter questions now that, that we've been asking for you, from you uh, tonight, uh, the majority of which have come from Chris Manning. Um, so we'll sort of work our way through them gradually in terms of in terms of which ones I think are most relevant. Um, so he's actually made a very good point with this one. Uh, so he said, uh, do you think that having a paper-thin squad depth will be addressed in January or do you think we are in for a season of making a do at best? Tom, what do you reckon to that? Uh, I think Hill will probably learn from... Well, I don't think it's a mistake. He didn't really... His hands were tied in terms of having to bring in a lot of players who didn't have pre-seasons, etc., uh, so I expect him to bring in as many players as he possibly can. Uh, we left one of the loan spots free, if memory serves. Uh, there'll be two more if, if uh, Bridcut and Valinden go back. I'd obviously like to see them both extended. I imagine that uh, Valinden's definitely won't be, uh, given that Stoke have got a new manager and they probably want to take stock of the squad that they've got. Uh, I mean, un- that's will be renewed. We'll un- see. Unless you know that Stoke manager has a look at him, you know, decides that he's perhaps not part of his first team plans and then ships him out again. Or, I mean, although that does look incredibly unlikely, I guess doesn't it? Really? Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see. But you know, if we've got, if we imagine that we've got three loan spots to fill, yeah, then there's a there's scope to you know go into the into the parts of the squad that we don't have much depth. So another winger, um, another central midfielder, and possibly another another central defender. We'll see, but. I would I would hope that he would bring in more people. I'd hope that he would renew some of the contracts that go up until uh, January. I'd, I'd like to see Adam Chicks and get another another deal mm. because if we were to go, get relegated, he's a player that would be absolutely fantastic in League Two based on what I've seen of him. So, yes, I, I, I don't expect that we'll have a paper-thin squad for the rest of this season because I think in January that will be addressed quite heavily. Mm. Eddie, do you see us making many additions in January? Do you think we'll be, we'll be stuck with what we've got at the minute? Uh, it all depends, I think, on the registration embargo that's in place at the minute. Um, I know all the creditors have now been paid off, and uh, that may swing the EFL to you know to give us more sway in in how many signings and how many people we can have registered in the first team. And as Tom said, you know, it depends on if the loan spots are filled and you know if we can retain Bridcut and Valinden uh, amongst the Erland yeah, right. Right, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think budget's a problem anymore. I, I, Obviously, that's been the thing for the last few years. You know, we've not really had any kind of money to bring in signings, but it it seems like football ventures have the money to you know to sign players. But it all depends on the EFL and how tight their uh, grasp is on our squad. And hopefully, we you know we can make some signings, regardless of whether we're you know going to go into League One next season or League Two. I think Hill has already stated that he wants to make signings for the future, as opposed to these short term signings, which maybe a couple that he brought in on deadline day were. So, yeah, I think the the main sticking point is that uh, registration embargo and whether the EFL uh, loosen their grip. Mm, of course it is. I think you'd be, you'd be waiting a while to hear about that, though. You know, they do tend to take the time with these decisions, don't they? I mean, it's been six months nearly to, to the day this week, I believe, since, um, since, the, since the Brentford issue 
Um, so it's absolutely no surprise there that the AFL are yet to, to make an official statement on on our on our punishments for that, and I'm sure that you'll you'll be waiting just as long to hear about whether we're still under a registration embargo or not. Um, I expect nothing less from those useless clowns. Um, should we carry on with Chris Manning's questions? Let's go with that. I mean, we've just touched on Connor Hall then. Um, he's asked, do you think he will ever be a regular starter for Bolton at any first team level? I'm not sure how close he is with Keith Hill or Flick or anything like that. Obviously, he's not really been given a massive chance. Tom, do you see him becoming a regular star at any point? Other than if perhaps two injuries? Had, if the poor lad had been able to start the season, I think yes. Because the chances that Eddie Brown managed to manufacture for himself, a player like Hall with that goal-scoring knack, I think would have taken. I remember one at Wickham. I remember one um, in the Coventry game. I remember one in the Gillingham game. You know, th- th- these are goals that he would have had. I'm, I'm convinced of that. So, but, but I think that I think opportunity passes you by, and I think there's got to be a point if he's managed to get himself injured again, and it's a relatively serious one. Where you just got to, you know, let it die. I, I, I seriously, I, I think it's the kind that's, of thing that's a bit where, brutal. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm serious though. I, I think he's had so many. He's, it's been three years now or so, where he's been knocking on the first team door, and every time he's got himself a chance, he's either been farmed out on loan, not been fancied by the manager, or got himself injured. Sometimes you just need a change of scenery to get the best out of yourself in your career. And the lad's what, 22 now. I, 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 I think with Daryl Murphy, Dodu um, and O'Grady in, in front of him, if he's got himself another injury with January coming up, where I presume Hill will want to strengthen up front, I think it probably would be best for the lad to start looking elsewhere. I, 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 and it's sad because I think he's got something to offer, but I don't think it's going to be with us. No, that's a shame. Um, Eddie, what do you reckon to, to the Connor situation? Yeah, I think like Tom said, you know, if you didn't get an injury before the Wicking game, you know, things might have worked out differently for him. And, you know, I think in football, you know, a lot of it's based on luck. And if he had been given that chance ahead of Brown and um, and Sterling, you know, he, he might have, you know, scored one or two goals and might have pushed himself into contention. But unfortunately for him, he was injured and, you know, he's had another setback now. And, you know, sometimes things just don't work out at clubs and, uh, maybe he gets one last chance to to prove himself, but um, you know Murphy and O'Grady and Dodu ahead of him, you know it's gonna he's gonna have, you know find it hard to try and be a first uh, first team and 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 certainly start for the club anyway. Oh, yeah, of course, it's gonna be difficult for him. I think I think whether or not he goes out alone, whether it's a permanent move, I think it, it's just time that he got some game game time elsewhere to, to say at the very least because I think he's gonna struggle, you know, in, in, in the imminent future at Bolton, unfortunately, but. Um, you know, we'll just have to see on that one. Um, bit of a weird one again from Chris. Uh, why haven't you had a single article reminiscing on the 19-year anniversary of Mark Fish leaving? What are your favourite Mark Fish memories? Eddie, do you have any of those? <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm slightly too young to remember Mark Fish. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, we, we, I, I, me and Tom definitely are. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I've had a season ticket since I was two, but I certainly don't remember Mark Fish playing. Um, yeah. I used to have a pie and fall asleep until the end of like five. So uh, well, games like, but I do remember. Fan. Yeah, I know I'm awful, but I do remember seeing <laughs> um, seeing some quotes from older fans who, who do remember his time at the club uh, that they used to sell, much like Campo wigs, fish heads. Um, at the Bolton shop so people used to and then you know like like we used to go Juve people used to go fish and they'd have the fish heads like hats um, which sounds absolutely glorious and I'm gutted um, I used to have my cheese and onion pie and fall asleep and miss this <laughs> fantastic I would be a part of you ready to be fair sounds like you missed I that. know 
Although, I, th- I think we'll have to put that one out to the listeners, to be honest, if you've got any memories of Mark Fish. Make sure to add them to Chris Manning. Um, but, yeah, I think that's all of, uh, of Chris's points made up until then. Um, so again, we're happy, Chris. You're welcome on any time, mate. Absolutely, of course you are. Um, Ian Firth, our very own Super White Smurf, he's put out a fantastic article this week. Um, he said, Hobbs, Brockbank and Edwards are due back soon. Is Zuba under pressure or is he destined for the top if he wises up? Or are Brockbank and Edwards better prospects? I mean, obviously, we saw glimpses of, of, of Johan in, uh, in his big brother, Kurt, playing for, for Chelsea. Um, you know, going on that run past halfway line and nearly you know, smashing it into Rosehead. Um, but, you know, can we see him making it as far as his brother or do you think he's a bit of a lost cause, Tom? Uh, I've always tried to see the goods in the lads, but he doesn't half terrify me. Um, <laughs> I, I think I, I loved watching Edwards play uh, in those first two games against uh, against Coventry and Wickham. Uh, I think Jack Hobbs in all the games that he played thus far in League One has looked a cut above. Um, far too good for this level, so I would expect him to slot straight in. Not been wholly convinced of Jake Wright, I must admit. So I think there is an opportunity for maybe Zuma to play alongside Hobbs. But to be honest, I, I think Edwards is probably a better prospect. And bear in mind, he, he's got a couple of years on Zuma as well. So he, he'll be really, really looking to try and make that centre-back slot his own. Um, and to be honest with you, I think I'd probably like to see where we are come January. You know, if we cut adrift, if we've got yeah. another points deduction. And if, and if so then I want to be seeing Zuma and Edwards be getting the nod over the likes of Hobbs and Wright because, you know, neither of them are going to be sticking with us for a League Two season. So I, I think that's when you start to promote the youth. But for now, his place is safe. But I think when Jack Hobbs is fit, he'll more than likely come in and take it. Yeah, I think I'm sort of the same on that because it's it seems to be he's just filling in, unfortunately. And I think we've got a relatively strong back four now, to be honest with you. And I know we mentioned Josh Earl. I think when he came on on Saturday, well, yesterday, um, he, I think he changed the game, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think he's a much more astute left-back than Chickson, in my opinion. But, um, you know, that, that, that's You really don't me. like Chickson, do you, Will? It's not that I don't like him, Tom. I just <laughs> prefer Josh Earl. Um, no... <laughs> No, but I think him and Emmanuel at fullback, I think they're really, really solid. Um, and I don't mind Jake Wright, although there were a couple of hospital passes on yesterday, I must admit. Um, and again, Zuma, he's just a little bit, you know, he's going to struggle to keep hold of his place, I think, when we've got everyone back fit. But, you know, like you say, if, if those two are going to, you know, leave us at the end of the season, then, you know, perhaps, you know, the lads like Zuma have got the real desire to play for the club. You know, they just want to play and, and, and go out there and get some experience. So, you know, perhaps it'll be their time to shine next season as opposed to this. Um, you know, and especially at a bit of a lower level as well. You know, perhaps he'll, he'll, he'll you know, do himself justice there. Um, but Eddie, Eddie, what do you make of, of Zuma and, and whether or not he's a he's a better prospect than uh, than Harry and, and Liam Edwards? Um, I think Liam Edwards deserves his chance uh, when he comes back from an injury, definitely, because he was probably uh, in. You know, he was in, he was in great form uh, in that Coventry game, and you know when they kept clean sheet early on, he was unfortunate to pick up the injury when he did uh, because Keith Hill hasn't been able to see him in um, in a game to see what he can do. I think those two coming back for the injury will probably spur Zuma on if he's going to remain, um, you know, one of our pair of uh, starters. You know, to spur him on to be better because maybe he's getting a little complacent because there, there isn't that competition for place at the minute. And certainly when Hobbs comes back for an injury, he'll probably be starting ahead of Zuma. I know he's a short-term prospect along with Wright, but 
um, you know, at this predicament that we find ourselves in, you know, maybe experience is better than going with youth and Zuma's uh, like yesterday. I've you know I've heard that Zuma had an off game and he's far too infrequent really to be able to you know to be reliant at the minute. And obviously, more the more he plays, the more he's going to get better. But you know, I can see Keith Hill going with a more um, experienced lineup. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd certainly like to see Edwards been, being given a chance. And maybe it'll do Zoom with the world of God having a game or two out and, you know, going back to the training ground, working on things, you know, working on sticking in position, working on not running out every time he feels like he, he could bomb it 30 yards down the line and then leaving a, a huge gap in, in the centre of our defence and leaving us uh, wide open for a, for a counter-attack. Definitely, and yeah. Certainly, Sorry, go on. And certainly we're brought back as well. As well um, you know, Emmanuel's got that uh, right-back position, uh, you know, it says completely, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect to see him drop for Brock Banks and maybe he could be tested at, at centre-half because I know he played centre-half for the under-23s for a, a long time and he, he's also played defensive midfield as well and um, depending on when Bradcutt comes back, I know he's scheduled to come back around Christmas and Brock Banks probably before then, so maybe he might be an option um, alongside Lowe in midfield if Keyfield sees fits. Um, but I'd obviously love to see both of those uh, youngsters being given a chance back in the first team when they come back from injury. Definitely. I, I rate both of them massively. You know, I think Liam yeah. Edwards would definitely do a job. Uh, and Harry Brockbank's still captain in my eyes, to be honest with you. Um, I haven't even paid attention to where he is at the minute because he's, he's just by far and away. He's, he's a really experienced head on young shoulders, isn't he, really? And, and you know, it would be fantastic to have him back and... You know, just just before we move on from that topic, I was just gonna gonna put this out to you as you just mentioned, Eddie, about you know possibly putting him at centre half and what have you. Obviously, there's plenty of uh, of competition in those in those slots. Um, if you had to choose an ideal back four, given that everybody was fit, who would your back four be? Tom, I'll ask you first. Um, mine would probably be Emmanuel Hobbs, just about Edwards, and Chickson. Interesting, Eddie. I'd go the same, but I'd swap Hobbs for Wright. Really? Mm. Mm. I don't know because I think I'd go Emmanuel right back, and then I'm tempted to go Brock Bank and Edwards, and then Josh Hill at left back. <sighs> That's a risk. Two youngsters at centre half, but it's it's then solidated by two. Experience lads at foot. I, I don't know. I don't know. Do, do you not work. think that that? Do you not think that that would be more the kind of you, they'd get bullied a little bit by the more physical teams? Perhaps, but I think you've seen that with with Zuma, you know. And then when when Adam Senior was playing with him the other week, you know, we got a taste of what that'd be like. But I do think that Edwards and, and Brockbank are somewhat more astute than than both of those in in reality. Um, Zuma's got more of the physical attribute than than Brockbank does. That I think the reason why Brockbank was put at right back in the first place was because he's not really bulked up to the same point that Edwards and Zuma are. No, so true, might, might, might get bullied. Technically, I think he's a good player, but I, I guess that's more oh, very much a fullback, so. I isn't think he's it? Fantastic really? on the ball. Yeah, um, I think he'd do well to get that place back off Emmanuel now, really. But I mean, Eddie, did you say you, you you've seen him play centre mid, or was that? Yeah, no, he's he's played centre defensive midfield uh, right. a few times for the under twenty threes last season. I wouldn't mind um, that and actually, he... because I, I'm not the massive fan of Luke Murphy, but I think him and Lowe would do quite well actually. I don't know if that'd even be a possibility, but I'd quite like to see that to be honest with you. Um, Tom, what do you reckon? Would you would you have Brock Bank in midfield? 
I think Murphy's done quite well in recent weeks, but I think Brockbank certainly got the uh, composure on the ball to be able to play in, in central midfield. Um, but that that would I think be a last resort rather than something yeah. that you do as a sort of like a game changing move. I was say, I don't don't, know don't get me he... wrong, I do I do rate Brockbank. I do rate him, but I, I think at the moment his position has been taken by you know a, a slightly yeah. superior player at this stage of his career. I'd like to see him try and be fitted in somewhere, but I don't think Hill's all that forced. Like I, I'd be making an effort to do it, but I just don't see him making that you know sacrifice of bringing out an experienced midfielder just for the sake of fitting him in, but. You know, it's a shame, and although it's you know fantastic that we've got a good right back, you know, and that there's competition there. Um, you know, I just think Brockbank's been a little bit unlucky with the timing of his injury, and then subsequently losing his place to Emmanuel. But you know, he'll have to he'll have to to do well in training to get that place back. So that'd be interesting yeah. to see. Whether Emm- Emmanuel's the best right back we've had since Sam Ricketts. Bold, bold. Nah, move. he is. He, he by far and away. I've not seen someone as comfortable on the ball, as good in the air, and as strong as him for a long time. I think he was a bit off the pace the first few games, but since he's sort of come into his own and, and, and sort of picked up the pace a little bit, I think I'd, I'd go with that, to be honest, because it's it's a weird one was with fullbacks, isn't it? Since the Premier League days, almost. It seems to have changed it that many times and never really found one that stuck properly. And I think he's about as close to as we're going to get, you know, post-Premier League. Yeah, you're right. Really. I, th- I, th- I think, yeah, what we've what we had in terms of right-backs since, since dropping out of the Premier League. So we had, we had Ricketts and then... The loans of like McNaughton, Hutton, um, Chris Hurd, yeah, Sadie Yanko. yeah. Like we li- literally, it's been a conveyor belt of fullbacks, isn't it? It's been incredible. Yeah. It's we've certainly had a lot, and you know, a lot of shout, shout really... out to Down the Money Road for Laurie Wilson as well. <laughs> Danny Butterfield. Oh, <laughs> it was the one we had from uh, Rotherham that we got on a free that was made of glass. Was it Buxton? Oh, yes, Lewis, Lewis Buxton. Buxton. My God. Yeah. Like, he, he played in that Sheffield United game and then never saw him again or something. My Little Pony. He just used to run up and down the touchline like a prancing horse. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> when, he, when he was warming up and never came on, that is. Um, but... no. we, we've not, I'll tell you what we've not touched on. We've not touched on the fact that Eddie says that he, he likes Jake Wright more than Hobbs. Uh, I'm tempted to agree. Really? Yeah, because I just think Hobbs is still too focused on just who fit it clear every time whereas I can see although I did say he made a few hospital passes Wright wants to play on the floor and I think Hill's more likely to take to that but yeah. I don't know I think he's still going to have both of them in whenever he can isn't he really but um, you know I don't think it'll really unless it comes to injuries I don't think it'll it'll come to a situation where you're choosing one over the other at this point but um, I mean hey, what, what are you basing that on Eddie? Um, I think he's got a lot more experience at League One level. Um, he captained Oxford for many years, and obviously he was part of that Sheffield United team that got promoted um, ahead of us that season a couple of years back. I think he's also less injury prone than Hobbs. Um, yeah, I go with we that. know Hobbs has had his, his troubles with injury, then especially in his time at, at Nottingham Forest, uh, which is unfortunate because on his day he's a very good centre half. But I think um, just because he's slightly more reliant and slightly less injury prone, I'm. I'm picking right over him. Not to say that Hobbs isn't a, a really good choice and uh, a, a good leader at the back, but I think Wright just pips him for me. No, I, I'd go with that. Um, Tom, what was your argument with, with Hobbs, really, or, or was it just sort of the natural first choice, you think? I mean, at times in the Championship, I thought Hobbs looked fantastic. At times, I thought he looked really, really weak. Um, mm. And this season, 
uh, in the games that I've watched, certainly the Blackpool game, um, even, even in the 5-0 at Gillingham, when he made uh, his, his second debut almost, he, he was really strong, really commanding. Uh, some of the blo- He's got that natural David Wheater get in the way and block something. Um, mm. ability that I, that I really really like in the centre half Edwards has got it as well yeah. um, you notice you notice that in the commentary game but they no the I, I think, on the line, from, don't they? oh but this, that's the thing I mean I, I'm, I'm very much I, I'm a big fan of an old school defender rather than someone who, who plays it out from the back and that's I think my only problem with Zuma I, I really want the lad to do well but I just don't see him in that mould of an old school defender being able to do the dirty work successfully enough to make a proper career of it at this level yeah no, I know I completely agree with you there I think that was a very good debate, gentlemen. I think I think we, we've done very well with that. Um, <laughs> just, ourselves in the back. Well done, boys. Just to embarrass you and put you on the spot now, because I always hate these questions, because I can never think of what like particular ones off the top of my head. Martin Williamson has asked, what do you think our possible January targets are in terms of transfer targets? None spring to mind. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I can't name a particular player in League One or League Two that I'd especially go after I'm not sure if either of you could perhaps come up with a couple but I'm we sure we don't know what budget we're working with I think it's the biggest problem yeah you know, I, know, I know players that I'd like us to look at but I don't know whether or not we're able to I mean we're probably not able to pay transfer fees just because of the embargo but you know from from a loans perspective looking higher up the leagues I don't know who would be available to be honest no that's the thing I, no one like stands out to me massively I know there was talk of Clough coming back possibly I think he'd be a fan's choice, wouldn't he? Really, but um, looking that, at the, looking at how we've started now, I'd do that. Having having been very sceptical about it at first, that is now a move that I think would be very very beneficial to us. Eddie, would you agree with that? 10. Is he number ten, number one target? Would you say? I I don't think I'd say number one target necessarily, but he's certainly an option because he, you know of his versatility, playing in behind the striker and out wide, and mm. probably be a better option out wide than Chris O'Grady. Um, but it, it all depends on you know whether or not Keith and Flickers fancy him because obviously like Keith took him to Rochdale last season on loan and he didn't really feature that much and all he had his his time out injured. But then I mean you know, we, he, he didn't get a lot Crawford of games now, aren't we? And you know O'Grady's obviously making a a bit of a fill-in spot there in the number ten role. I think it'd be it'd be ideal to be honest. I mean I know we'd be more focused on renewing loans that we need obviously but yeah um so yeah i think we've come to pretty much okay we've got one more so marty downs he said uh would love to know the latest on brick up unfortunately we don't have it um how far is he away from fitness don't know um if anyone thinks a loan extension is a possibility i wouldn't say it's beyond the realms of a possibility but i don't know what his plans are because i presume he's gone back for treatment and i don't know whether he's technically back as a forest player now but I, I, I don't know the score with it and I don't know whether, whether what our chances are of him coming back. What do you reckon? It, it was never confirmed that he'd gone back for treatment. I think that's sort of like common practice, but yeah. it was never like there was never a story or anything or never a, a statement that said he, he'd gone back there. Having watched Forrest at the weekend and had a look at their squad, he's not getting back into their midfield anytime soon. So if he wants games, um, I think a renew of the loan would be very, very uh, beneficial for, from his perspective mm-hmm. and probably for, for Forrest as well because th- th- there is absolutely no way that he's getting back into their team at, at this point. No, no, it'd be uh, it'd be it'd be good to have him back because he, he was definitely the kingpin. He was a class above, wasn't he, really? So, you know, I'd certainly like to see him back. Whether or not it'll happen is a different story. Uh, but, yeah, I think we've sort of covered everything unless you lads had anything extra to talk about that we might have missed. Um, I think we've pretty much covered everything. No, nothing else. I think I think we're good. I think we're good.
Perfect. Okay, look. Uh, we'll do a quick socials plug. Tom, where can people find you if they want to uh, put up with your um, nonsense on Twitter and read your <laughs> articles if they really want to? Yeah, if if you want to see me uh, verbally berate Leicester, Liverpool, and Sheffield United fans, and it's TJ Rico forty four. No, I, I'm I'm nice to you. Well, I'm nice to you. <laughs> we'll go with that. Okay, uh, Eddie, where can they find you? Uh, don't. Um, <laughs> you can follow the. You, you can follow the, the, uh, the, Lana, the. Yeah, absolutely. You can follow the Lana Vienna Sweet Twitter at Lana Vienna State, or you can find uh, my articles and ramblings about good old times on the Lana Vienna Sweet website. Perfect. You've done half my job for me there, Eddie. Cheers. Uh, and you can find me at wi1lj on Twitter if you really want to, although I wouldn't advise it. Um, please leave a review on iTunes if you're listening. I don't even know if we're on iTunes or not, but I hope so. Uh, five stars and nothing less, please. We'll try and get that technical issue sorted if we're not. Um, obviously, we're now on a different platform. Megaphone, please check us out on there. And uh, leave us a review if possible. Um, so, yeah, I think if there's nothing else left to say, lads, then it's time to say goodbye. So, say goodbye, Tom. Goodbye, Tom. Goodbye, Eddie. Goodbye, Eddie. And it's a goodbye from me. Thank you very much for listening to episode 128 of the Lanny Venice Week podcast. Set la vie.